It's Reese Parkinson here and welcome to How I Got Here. I'm excited for this. It's Westfield's new podcast series, exploring unique and inspirational careers. Over the course of eight episodes, I'll be speaking to some amazing entrepreneurs and business owners. So join us as we hear from the people behind the brand. Today, we are delving into the hot topic of sustainability and conscious careers as I welcome Hannah Carter from Love Not Landfill. It's a not-for-profit organisation based in London that focuses its efforts on encouraging young Londoners to donate their unwanted clothes to charity, swap them, borrow them and buy a second hand. Hannah will be discussing how she went from working at a top PR agency in China to a career that focuses on more conscious choices. How I Got Here podcast is Reese Parkinson here. We are joined by Hannah Carter, campaign manager, Love Not Landfill. First off, the sweatshirt. Talk to me, describe it for me. Okay, it is um, a green sweatshirt, obviously quite old, been used a few a few times. I got this on Depop. There's a brilliant seller on there who I would call this upcycles, um, just basics. And what she's done here is she's kind of graffitied the Chanel logo on there and Chanel Paris and then thrown some paint on it as well. And on the back, the logo's massive. And um, from our point of view, it's kind of, for me, I'm wearing it as a kind of statement that some um, of the more luxury brands are not doing what they could and should be doing in terms of connecting what they do with climate change and maybe improving practices a little bit. So yes. that's my point with it. And ironically, when I first saw it, I was like, that's such a cool sweatshirt, bro. Um, okay. <laughs> but it's funny, they could, they would literally come up with that and sell it for like a thousand pounds. Well, yeah. Which yeah, is the irony could. in it they all, could. isn't there it? Is, yeah. That is another irony, yeah. Um, but Hannah, talk to me about Love Not Landfill. What what exactly is it? And So Love Not Landfill is a campaign that comes from London Waste and Recycling Board and they are there to help London boroughs um, meet the mayor's recycling target. So we're all about clothes and about fashion. And we're particularly targeted at young people in London and just trying to get them to make the connection between climate change and fashion and the clothes that they wear and find a way that they can still love their clothes, express themselves, do everything they want to do with clothes, but just help them with some ways that they can do it in a way that doesn't affect the planet. Which I think is an extremely hard job for you to do. Um, yes, it is. For many reasons, which we're going to go into. But let's speak about it being not for profit and not a charity. That's right. Yes. Yeah, which we've just gone over. So what that means is that we, we do need to fundraise and we do that through partners, um, other brands, we, you know, working with fashion brands, retailers. And sometimes it's in kind um, and they help us put on our various events and everything that we want to do to talk to our, our people in London and, and get our messages across. But um, what it means is that any profit that we make from that will go back to the campaign. Exactly. So we are employed by London Waste and Recycling Board. But in order for Love Not Landfill to keep going, we are going to need to bring in some funding to do what we want to do. And so in the, when we started three years ago, we were funded by the EU as part of a much, much bigger project that came via... Um, an organisation linked to the UK government and it was all about textiles, recycling and fashion. It covered design, it covered waste, it covered recycled fabrics, all that kind of thing. But we were just there to talk to young people in London to try and change behaviour. So we were funded until December 2019. Now we're not, but because we'd made 
such an impact, it was decided that our campaign should carry on. So it carries on with me being there to do it. But in order to do our big events, we've done pop-up shops. We've got clothes banks out there. We go into schools and unis and do stuff. But in order to do that, we need we need some funding. So that that is our new model really now is, is as a not-for-profit. Amazing. And you did such a good job, as you mentioned, that it carried on. But what was the, what are we comparing that to? What What was that great work that you did in terms of you were set this task and you managed to do what exactly? Well, we first, um, it was the, the targets that for originally for us from from the European Clothing Action Plan, as it was called, was really around tonnage, um, as in collecting clothes and diverting clothes from landfill. So you can say that you've diverted a piece of clothing from landfill if you have stopped somebody putting it in the bin in their house, so in the bin where the rubbish goes. That's what you really don't want anyone to do with a piece of clothing. And so we would say that if we've got someone to put it in a clothes bank instead, that's diverting it from landfill. I realise people yeah. put it in bins. Oh, God. Sweet. I don't think I've ever... I'm just saying this, but my mum's always charity baggers come around. Yeah, and we, and which is brilliant. But 300,000 tonnes a year goes in the bin and ends up in landfill. So... And and I think a lot of people think, and, and even your mum, I don't know if she would put a ripped T-shirt or something with a stain on it. She uses it as a duster. Perfect. She that's yeah, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Exactly. She's, yeah. she's, she sounds brilliant. So that that's exactly what we want to happen. So some people believe that if something is not wearable as a piece of clothing anymore then then it's rubbish but it's not it can go into so over lockdown our textile recycling partners were were putting loads of um unwearable clothes into punch bags the demand for punch bags went up so you've got wow. to stuff a punch bag with something and you can shred cotton and other uh, other textiles and stuff them in there so they're still in use and there's also i've got to mention this brilliant technology i learned about last year where you can take clothes, shred them up, use them as insulation in lofts and buildings, and you put them in the walls and they stay there for 20 years, 30 years, until the recycling technology is so is, is grown enough. And you can take them out again and then turn them into a new fabric and then a new piece of clothing. So it's like a storage facility that serves the purpose of insulating, which again is really, really eco and really good for the environment you know you're keeping heat in buildings and stuff mm. and then and yeah you can use clothing for that so the the opportunities are endless oh amazing it's it's, it's true that you could do so many things with so many different materials yeah you um kind of mentioned in terms of exactly it, a lot of clothes ended up on landfill now why is that a problem say let's yeah. talk about if i was to throw my jumper today in the bin talk about that process of why that's bad well, then it would go into waste. Um, so it, if you threw it in your residual waste, which is the stuff that either gets landfilled or incinerated once it goes off with your, on the bin truck. And so that, that's a problem. When you burn something, you're releasing CO2 into the atmosphere. And then if a piece of clothing ends up in landfill, it rots down. And depending what that item is, if it's, if it's a polyester, that's essentially plastic, that's going to hang around long after we've all gone that's just going to sit there and not break down but while it's sitting there it's getting rained on the dye is coming out of it the chemicals are coming out of it that's all leaching into the earth so that's bad and then as it does and then when you've got the more natural fibers so things like cotton and wool 
and viscose is another one, when they start to break down, they also release CO2. It's not, not the big hit that you get from burning something, but it's there. And so, yeah, there's, there's so many issues with it, apart from the space and apart from the crime of it being a very nice jumper. And that even if you didn't like it anymore, someone else probably would. So that, that's another key point of what we talk about. Yeah. And you mentioned sustainability obviously being super important to yourself. I feel like it, does it, was it a moment for you that you was either watching something or had experienced something or found out a specific fact that changed your opinion on it? Because I feel like that's the thing yeah. that kind of, I'm assuming, gets someone into it. So where did that start, your journey in this start for you? So it started when I was I was living in Amsterdam. My my background was in PR industry. I was living in Amsterdam. I had two young kids and I was trying to come up with something else to do. I'd looked at getting back into PR there and just didn't really feel feel the vibe for that. So I I started to think about what I could do. I was actually printing a kitchen blind with some wood blocks. I got all creative in my mm. spare time. And um my kid and I had some paint left over and one of my kids' t-shirts was hanging up to dry and I thought that might look all right on there so I printed it and then it, that's where it started so then I started thinking oh I could do a kids clothing brand I started I, I was sort of into a bit of organic and my husband's originally from India so I was thinking Indian cotton and my designs were Indian wood blocks, and so this all seemed to work. But I couldn't afford to buy, you have to buy 5,000 pieces of an organic cotton T-shirt. You can't just buy 10, and I couldn't afford to do that, and I didn't have the capacity to handle that at all. It was just me and my kitchen. So um, I started looking around, and I happened upon these websites so that were selling X High Street dead stock from the UK. I got a big, about 50 mini Bowden T-shirts that were still in the packaging, and they would have been sold by them for... I don't even know, eight, nine, ten pounds, maybe more. And I could buy them for one pound fifty a piece. And so I got these and they're plain and, and I could print them. And so just by finding these bits from all these places, I got these collections together and I sold them on mar in markets and in pop-up shops in Amsterdam. But in the process, I realized that I was just buying plain kids' clothes. For every one of those, there was hundreds of thousands of other unwanted unsold clothing dresses tops adults wear kids wear everything you can think of every high street brand was up there and um and I don't know why they'd ended up at these wholesalers rag as they are um what was wrong with them they looked fine to me so and it, it just started me thinking and I kind of got this you know this feeling of injustice like this is really wrong mm. and I couldn't move on from it and so I looked into it more and as I did that Amsterdam's got a big uh, sustainable fashion community so I started to think and then the PR brain in me started thinking there's an angle here sustainability and fashion's just going to get bigger I've got a sustainable brand because I'm using dead stock I'm not making anything new I'm upcycling and so I kind of hooked onto that and then sold these clothes. And that was it. There was no looking back for me. I thought when I moved back to the UK a few years later, I thought, you know, I could get I could do PR again because obviously I had a network from it had been 10 years, but I still knew a few people and stuff. And so I thought, but I can't do I can't do PR for big brands anymore. I, I want to do it in sustainable fashion. Now knowing. What yeah. You know, knowing yeah. what I know, I've got to push this. And it's about comms and communication, changing people's minds. And I've got to do it about this. So that's where I went. And I did a lot. I did a couple more courses, educated myself a bit more and then was very lucky to get the job for Love Not Landfill. Yeah, well, that's interesting you said about you. It kind of seems like it came at a path for you where you know you could go into a job that 
would you say more secure if you went into your old yeah. job like yeah in terms of a more corporate environment exactly potentially more well yeah definitely I mean I think and also you know waste and recycling whilst it's a great it's a great industry to be in the people are amazing but it's never going to be the highest paid so yeah and you can in corporate PR and corporate communications you could you can earn big money but that wasn't the way I was going to go yeah, but would you say to most people you should really follow your... How, such a hard conversation to have with yourself, really, isn't it? Mm. When you know there's might be a pot of gold there, essentially, but you yeah. know what's right. So let's go with you picking the one that's right. Have you ever had any moments where you've gone, ah, okay, I might not have been making what I could be making doing this? Um, and maybe kind of explain that for people interested in getting into this sector. Yeah, I think it's it's got to be kind of coming from the heart and I know that's that's different now and a lot of people are able to do what they feel strongly about and I spent a long time working in PR before before I moved to Amsterdam and changed things a long time working in PR doing things I wasn't particularly proud of um, and so yeah I just thought it, it's it's done now and I think having kids makes a difference for that you kind of inevitably want to make the world a better place for your children right. and I was in a very lucky position my husband had a job that, that had a much bigger salary than mine I obviously hadn't worked I did I worked in China but then I didn't work in Amsterdam for a couple of years and we we were okay for me not doing that so I was very lucky but I always knew I would work again and I wanted to earn money again but I had the luxury of being able to to think a bit more about how how that was going to go and what what was going to feel right can you still do that if you maybe don't have that if you're starting out say if you just finished sixth form of college for example yeah and you want to get into this world but you you haven't got the kind of uh a, a safety net for example I'm sure you've probably worked with people who've just gone straight into this is yeah. what I'm doing in my life yeah how have they found it and what did they do to I think I think with well I mean it's it's a much bigger industry it doesn't have to be just about fashion you can it depends how you want to go in. You can go in on, on the sort of recycling side and start thinking about the environment and work for environmental agencies. They're always growing because the environment is the, the you know, the climate change isn't going anywhere. There's going to get it's going to be a bigger and bigger job trying to prevent the world heating up more than 1.5 degrees, which is apparently the tipping point where we're going to have some quite big problems. You can't go back after that. Right, yeah, yeah, we're going to have big problems at, at that point. So it's a massive, industry is the wrong word, but it's a massive sector that's trying to stop this happening. So more and more jobs are going to become available at every level for this. So I think that's one thing. So you decide whether you want to go in. I wanted to go in on a fashion side of it. That's because that's what I loved and what I would feel passionate about so you could also come at it from another way you go into a brand go into a fast fashion brand and start to try and change them from the inside right. that is really interesting and probably you'd have to be a pretty tough but I think that's how things are going to change as well be change makers inside those organizations also like I've, I've been recently uh, really interested in uh, electric vehicles and yeah. kind of the that kind of work in the world of cars essentially and how uh kind of the internal combustion engine is as the damage that's doing at the moment do you know what i mean so mm -hmm. i guess what you're saying is a huge even though we're talking about fashion here it's right. a huge climate change there's oh, so it, many different it applies jobs to everything it applies to every single sector uh, 
at London Waste and Recycling Board, we've got a big project around built environment at the moment. So how to build new new buildings in a way that's not going to impact the environment. That and, and circular circular buildings, so taking materials out and reusing them in new buildings, all this kind of thing. It, it can be done in anything. It's cars, it's clothes, it's buildings, it's food is massive. There's a whole load of work to do in food and agriculture. I mean, it's, it's, it's everything. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the circular economy. What exactly is that? Is that what you were explaining? So, kind of, yeah. So that that's basically a system where you're trying to reduce new elements coming in, new resources coming in, and also eliminate waste going out. So you've you've got an item and you use it. That, I mean, there's, there's two elements. Also, you want to make that so we've got this whole use, sorry, buy, use, dispose. We need to make that, instead of a line, need to make it a circle. So when, So there's no dispose, it's recycle. All the elements are used again. So with, with this jumper, for instance, someone's already done a pretty good job on making it live a lot longer. It right. was just a plain green te- green top before. Now it's something a bit more interesting and it's I'm going to wear it. Someone else wore it before. I'm going to wear it. I'll pass it on. Yeah, but how then much will you sell that for? Just that well, mean, they I'm sold I bought it for £30. Amazing. Yeah. So, and it, I mean, it's brilliant. It's, it's completely no, I, I unique. It. Yeah. It's completely unique. There's nothing else like it. So for me, that's an absolute steal. It's amazing. And if you do put it on Depop, <laughs> send me a link. I'll let you know. Yeah. So I think, um, so yeah, the circular economy is about everything going back into use again. So Hannah, obviously yourself, like you're a real change maker and you, you live and breathe the sustainability lifestyle and you work in the industry of it. What what are the traits that you need to have to, to work here and, and really live it as well? Well, I think it's um it's first of all the the real genuine realization and, and the genuine drive to to make a change for the better and loads of people have that in one way or another and really and really are focused. But I think to do it in in the fashion industry is where we know there's a problem, but it is moving forward. Brands are doing things. They're all making commitments to sustainability, sustainable collections. They're pushing this to their customers. But I think you still there's still so much to do. And to be a change maker in the fashion industry, I think you need to be very focused. You need to be very resilient. You need to be, you know, ideas will get knocked back. We've had, I mean, we've pulled off a few things, but we've been knocked back many, many times with ideas that we've had and, you know, thought something's going to happen and then it doesn't, but you just keep going. You just reboot, reset, and then you carry on. And so I think that resilience is is really important. And just the thing is that there's a really, particularly on social media, there's such a strong a sustainable fashion community that you can tap into if you do start to think that this is something you know you want to change your own behavior at home that's quite easy and everything we talk about helps you do that but if you want to change change it change the bigger picture and do it in your work as well there's so many opportunities out there the fashion industry is going to improve it has to so it will and um, yeah there's this community online that that will help support in that and and keep pushing that forward so it's yeah it, it can be done but yeah you, you've got to be absolutely just not prepared to give up basically and even your lifestyle like the small things that we can do your water bottle for example you said as well about um you was in China yeah. for a while I, I this is just a generalization so it could be a horribly off mm-hmm. mark but I feel like the UK we're bad but I do think America and China, I'm sure, just because they're bigger countries, yeah. it's, it's probably a lot 
worst air? Not not really. I mean, I suppose it might have started the spark of I was working. It, it was more actually coming from a, a sympathetic point of view with China. So I worked there at a PR agency working with big companies and witnessing these huge Western brands sort of coming in, seeing this opportunity of these millions and millions of people who are just coming out of a situation where they'd been told what to think, what to buy, how to look, everything else with, with the communism that was there. They were coming out of that, suddenly had this freedom that that they could, you know, use these brands and interact with these brands. And I mean, exploitation is not fair because obviously they have the right to get involved with everything else. But knowing that they're being sold this is a culture with um, where food is medicine. They've got these amazing understanding around Chinese medicine and food and everything. And there I was pushing a kind of new processed burger that right. I just didn't feel that proud about. And I had a bit of a moment where, where I was supposed to actually then, I was supposed to start working full time and... I was, they were really interesting. They knew so much about the culture. They knew so much about the government and how things were, you know, the government messaging that was still extremely powerful there. And so I, um, I saw this and I was like, oh, this is really interesting from a psychology behavior change or this kind of point of view. And then it was like, and the products for this season are, and they came up with this burger. And I just thought, I can't, I cannot push this. I can't, I can't do it. And so I had this sort of moment and I actually left soon after and became a kindergarten teacher for six months right, so it really changed which was you. interesting I just needed to take a break and then um and then I actually then went to work for a much smaller agency doing much um very different things with much smaller brands and stuff so it suited me a bit better but yeah it was I think it was there it started I started to see you know capitalism was not really a good thing in a lot of ways and and just seeing that yeah that it is, a few things didn't fit right because I loved the Chinese culture. I, you know, had really good friends there, worked with people who I absolutely loved. And it, I just, yeah, I wanted to protect it a little bit and it didn't feel quite right pushing right. stuff that I didn't believe in. think was a good thing. No, exactly. You, as well, for a lot of the younger people tuned in that are going to start to get into the workplace, what's the difference that you found working for a non-profit and, and a corporate organisation? What should people expect the difference between the two? Um, I think, I mean, I, this is the only non-profit I've ever worked for. And like I say, I'm lucky that everyone I work with is completely, from a personal point of view, committed to trying to reduce climate change and trying to make a positive difference to the world. And that is definitely not the case in other companies that I've worked for in the past who are trying to I mean you know PR agencies are trying to make money from clients and and all this kind of thing and and when you're in-house as a, as a PR you're pushing the product from that company and if it's one that you love and think is amazing then that's great and a lot of people move from from agency PR agencies where they're representing lots of different brands and companies some of which they might like some of which they might not when you get to go in-house, you're, usually you go in-house because it's a company whose who philosophy you believe in or product you, you mm. think is great. And that's really that's really helpful and that's good. But I think, yeah, I've definitely worked at corporates where you think you, you're sort of learning great things and you're progressing and probably earning decent money and everything. And that's that's great, absolutely great. And I did that for 10, 15 years, absolutely fine. And then just as I got older and I think having kids is quite a big deal on this you just start to think actually I might and and the climate we didn't have a climate emergency 10-15 years ago well not that I knew of 
lots of people did know of it, but I didn't at that point. And I was merrily going on my way, consuming like everyone else and throwing stuff away. And um, I know I know too much now. I can't I can't change that. So I think, yeah, just as you learn more, it changes what what you think and feel. You find out more about yourself, really. And then kind of the most rewarding part of your job now, what would you say? that is our pop-up shops just make me so happy so these are where we partner the charities um charities that have shops in london we partner with them with social media influencers the influencers come in they pick out collections that represent their own style and we put those collections on sale for four days very sadly we should have been doing it in november we've done it every november we've done two now we also did a depop pop-up where we supported some sellers but these charity pop-ups are just the best thing ever. And we have four days. We're completely on our knees. We're absolutely knackered from p- building a shop effectively. We've been very lucky that because we're a good cause, we often get gifted the premises. Nice. And so that's amazing. Um, and so we and then we build these, these shops inside them and we've got our branding there and the charities are in there. And then we have a party to start it off and the influencers all come down and some of their followers come to see them and look at the clothes they've picked out. And then, yeah, we just have a ball for four days. One we did last year, we had four and a half thousand people come through the door in, in four days and we made £23,000 for the charities. So for these pop-ups, the charities keep all the money. We wouldn't take that for our campaign. That's their money. They've got causes they have to they have to um, support. So springtime we'll go again hopefully if we if we're all allowed yeah and um, um, with love not landfill what what do you feel like is the ultimate what would be uh, a, an achievement for you do you feel like the ultimate aim i think oh god what would it be we'd love to get some collections out there of our own that were made with recycled fabrics or upcycled collections. We want to support students. The the fashion graduates lost their big show this year and all the opportunities that went with it. They have Graduate Fashion Week in, in the summer and we were supposed to be there and we had a whole activation around that, but we couldn't do it. But those, those fashion students lost their opportunities to link in with a lot of potential. It's, it's almost like a careers fair at the same time for them. And that was that was lost this year. So we'd love to come up with a way that we can engage them, get them involved and, and make some money so that they can they can have more opportunities that they've lost. Because that's that's been a real blow to them, I think. Is there some great um, people that we should follow as well? I feel like if you're not in the world, you don't oh, kind of think. see it. There's, um, Especially with a lot of the people that you like work with that have come to the pop-up Some of shops. our influencers. So obviously Love Not Landfill, follow that, and then you'll get a whole load of stuff because we talk about all the things you can do with clothes that don't compromise your style or your self-expression. You can just do this stuff. But um, Emma Bresky is someone we love. She has, She's a model, and she put together our collection for Bernardo's last year. And uh, she's really out there pushing all elements of diversity in fashion and sustainability in fashion so she's a great one um hannah elliman is another one she's an upcycler and what she can do with an old shirt and a jumper is just mind-blowing she's amazing so yeah that's really good for inspiration and things like that um and the only others i i really like them we haven't worked with them so far here's a plug paq um who they're youtubers a group of four four men on youtube and they do a lot of thrifting and styling with secondhand clothes and we kind of love what they do as well oh pack sorry i call them pack sorry p-a-q pack yeah yeah, yeah. sorry they do all the challenges the fashion challenges yes 
Yeah, we love it. We love their work. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's pretty good stuff. But they're um they're a bit unreachable for us at the moment. Hey, well so they could listen to this. If they could, that would be good. So yeah, they, there's some yeah. And just one more thing in terms of if to actually apply for in this workspace, I'm assuming degrees wise, do you need like a degree in something or what helps uh, for someone that wants to get into this? Um, yeah yeah let me think so Liv who who works with us she came from Brighton Uni and she'd done fashion communications so that was perfect and she involved herself in a lot of the we got to know her before she worked with us because she came along to some of our actually our first launch event which was um all about that was held at a textile recycling place so yeah for us we're a comms campaign we're about fashion so fashion communications but Anything in environmental science, um, all all kinds of anything to do with yeah recycling. And I'm I'm not a real expert in that side of things, but we need with with the climate change, you need to address it in every way. And so many businesses now are looking at sustainability. So I would say, if you're not already studying environmentalism or that kind of angle, whatever you're studying, there will be an eco angle or an environmental angle. So research that dig that out and if it's exciting to you then explore it further because as I say you can get a job in somewhere and then then you'll find that that department is just going to grow because they all need to so that we can save the planet really awesome Hannah thanks so much it's been great to talk to you thank Thank you you very much you too thanks Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. We appreciate you. Make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. And of course, follow our social media channels at Westfield London and at Westfield Stratford City.